Hi cuties, today's episode includes more discussion about abuse in multiple ways and may be triggering for you and not appropriate for small children. Hey cuties, this is Deidre C. Hey cuties, it's Jay Nicole. And welcome to the Queen Team Podcast. A, a place, place to, to cultivate your queendom. No, listen, I want to tell you ladies about this movie that we saw just a couple days ago. Something you mean that... yesterday? <laughs> exactly. Yes, yesterday. For self-care, oh. I took Janisha to a movie, and we went to see I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. And she's hilarious all around, but the movie really, really surprised me. I was already pre-warned. Somebody said, you should think, you need to go see that movie. It's really good. And it, they kind of took the twist and it really like hit home. And Oh, wait. Spoiler right alert. Here. Spoiler alert. I'm not telling the spoiler alert. Okay. I'm not, I promise not to do, tell the spoiler alert. But I'm like, okay, well, it's Amy Schumer movie. How bad can it really be? But I guess the spoiler alert is I did shed a tear at the end. Let me just be 100% honest. I didn't cry. Yeah. I was good this time. You was good. I was crying. I was crying. So I highly recommend it. It is very funny. Um, and it was see it with your girlfriend, so it, it'll make your experience even better. So tell me, what what, what was your takeaway? What did you enjoy from, about the movie? The bottom line is self acceptance. Yes, that's it. Yes, I mean we can go on and on. That's the only. I mean that's the takeaway. Yeah, which you know after our episode that released last week, be able to accept who you are as you are, and you don't want to change for you or anybody else really, because when you can stand have stand your ground and have those boundaries. Then others will learn to accept you for who you are too, just as you are without wanting to change you, without wanting to uh, have you do anything different, or with requiring you to bend beyond what is humanly possible or probably best for your spirit. So anyway, it was a really good self-care movie, uh, and I'm glad that we took that time to do that. I need some banging food too after. Yeah, that food was bomb. So good. We had some fish tacos, and they were good. And they gave us a lot of food, like... Uh, for not very much money. Yeah. That was really good. I feel like we need to visit again. We will. We'll be back maybe for a planning meeting or something. But it was delicious and we had a really great time um, in that space and taking care of ourselves yesterday. So we'd love for to hear how your cuties are taking care of yourselves. But we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. There are some follow-up questions that we wanted to explore because we only got one part of the story in, yes? Yeah, there's, I mean, we could be here all day. But I feel like there is a couple of other really important points that you cuties need to hear. Um, and then from there, we can go on to talk about healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are some statistics that we wanted to share with you and some statistics that we will also link to in the show notes. It was really surprising to us after last week's episode. I really was just curious to know what it looks like on a national level. And so some of the things that I came across when researching was um, this quote, more women experience emotional abuse than physical violence. 35% of all women who have been married or in a common law relationship have experienced emotional abuse in comparison to the 29% of women who have been physically abused by their male partner. The presence of emotional abuse is the largest risk factor and greatest predicator of physical violence, 
especially where a woman is called names to put her down or make her feel bad. Emotionally abused partners also commit murder or murder suicides. Women are most at risk for of being killed when they leave their partners. Women themselves can also be suicidal as a result of emotional abuse, which we kind of heard about last week from your story, yes, Janisha? Right. The question that arose was how can emotional abuse be as harmful or hurtful as physical abuse? Most women indicate, says the website, that emotional abuse affects them as much, if not more, than physical violence. They report that emotional abuse is responsible for long-term problems with health, self-esteem, depression, and anxiety. In one study, 72% of women reported that being ridiculed by their abusive partner had the greatest impact on them, followed by threats of abuse, jealousy, and restriction or isolation. It was also found that the impact increased with the frequency of the emotional abuse. However, like the women who are physically and sexually abused, emotionally abused women demonstrate incredible resilience and inner strength as they successfully balance the everyday demands of life, such as children and and schoolwork. And so something else that arose in this particular article, aren't women just as emotionally abusive as men? Emotional abuse, just like any other form of abuse, is about power. Women may exhibit some of the behaviors labeled as abuse, but it is critical to assess whether her actions give her power and make her partner fearful of her. Research has shown us that being female is the single largest risk factor for being a victim of abuse in heterosexual relationships something that is clearly reflective of women's lower status in our society. And when we originally read that, Janisha, you were feeling really moved by that. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the thoughts and feelings that came to you when we first discovered uh, this particular piece of research? Well, I want to kind of go back and talk about why emotional abuse is so devastating. Yes. In my opinion, and I don't even think I think we can move from my opinion to fact. Mm-hmm. Emotional abuse, it strips you of your humanity. Yes. And what I mean by that is it, I believe humanity is two things and maybe even a third. Mm-hmm. Your ability to create, your ability to choose, and your ability to think for mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when those three things are taken, you become a shell of a person and you lose all of the potential, all of the ideas and everything that makes you human. Mm. And so that's why it's so devastating because you're gone. Yes. Whoever you were supposed to be, whatever you were before is completely emptied out. Yeah. It's like a shadow of yourself, a shadow, a shell, a vase, to be filled with whatever the abuser wants to fill you with. Mm -hmm. I believe they continue to fill you with, they turn you into a robot, a, a pawn, a window display so that they can continue to get notoriety, adoration, and also to feel worthy themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to dominate. In order to feel worthy, Mm -hmm. they have to show the world a certain face 
mm-hmm. in order to feel worthy. And if you're misbehaving, and I'm putting quite quotation marks up, then the abuse comes in to get you to behave so mm-hmm. that you can display yourself as whatever they feel necessary to display. Mm-hmm. And so that you will not rise up against them. Yeah. I think that's why it's so egregious because it's manipulative, purposeful action. This wasn't just a situation that, okay, we met, we fell in love, and then somehow we fell out of love and couldn't find our way back. And we, you know, did the backbiting and the arguing and the fighting because we were just on each other's nerves or just angry with each other all the time. Right. From day one, I was groomed to become abused. Yes. And that happens with so many people who are abused. They're groomed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also the part that struck me was the very end where you said, it is because, what, what what did it say at the end? The research has shown that being female is the single largest risk factor for being a victim because it is clearly reflective of a woman's lower status in our society. Yeah. yeah. So the end part where it talks about us being a lower status in society, unfortunately, that's the culture that we've created mm-hmm. is a status where one has to be above another. And why does it have to be? Mm-hmm. Why can't? Women just accept that men are different and they have a purpose. Their differences create their purpose. And same with us. We have a purpose and what our difference is gives us our purpose. Mm -hmm. And together, if we work with one another, we can create something amazing. But instead, it's seen as women are seen as weaker and not as good as and to be dominated. Mm -hmm. It's just a shame that our nature causes us to be more susceptible to abuse. Right. When our nature is supposed to be there to help bring peace, to bring awareness, to bring love. Yes. But instead it's used to be dominated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really sad. Yeah. It really is sad. It really is sad. Grooming refers to the process of manipulating and maneuvering a person, adult, or child into a position that creates trust and vulnerability. The target is often isolated from support systems, at least to the extent of keeping secrets, and made dependent emotionally or financially or both. This is done to facilitate abuse and is practiced by predators, sociopaths, and narcissists who target vulnerable people for exploitation. how you are groomed as an adult. You are put into a situation where you can be abused or exploited for the abuser's purpose, whatever their purpose is. And this is done by love bombing. And love bombing is when the the abuser is telling you they love you all the time and they're so nice to you, they're so sweet. They're creating that Hollywood fantasy that every woman wants to be swept off their feet, to be catered to, to be well taken care of, so that you become pliable, I guess you could say, to whatever they want to suggest next. 
the abuser will also use seduction, charm, they'll give you gifts, and be very flattering. The abuser will also gain their target's trust, brainwash the victim into believing that they are loved, and then manipulate the victim to get what they want. In the beginning, they're creating this bond. They're telling you everything that you want to hear. You have everything in common with this person. It's just like all of your bells and whistles are blowing and ringing all at the same time. And you're like, yes, this is my match. I've met the perfect person. But something that she doesn't mention, which is what I experienced, is this all happens way too fast and way too soon. My husband told me after two weeks that he was in love with me and also used the narrative of I've always been in love with you. I prayed about you. I dreamed about you. I thought about you all of these years. And I just knew that I would marry you from the beginning, from the first moment I saw you, I knew we would be together. And I mean, me being a a very young 24 year old woman really wanting that to be true I believed it it just left me open to being it, it left me open to be being abused and so again that's why boundaries are so important because I should have been able to recognize like nah even though you might be having some feelings of that some inclination that you're in love Falling in love, true love doesn't happen that quickly. It's not after two weeks that you're just like, oh my God. It, it's not like that. It's not real. It's not test. It has not been tested. You don't really truly know who I am, how I act when I'm on my period, how I act when I'm upset, when some, tra- some tragedy occurs, when things are not going my way and vice versa. So how do you really know that you love me until it's tested? I wanted to share that as a point of if that is what you experienced and it happened very quickly and then we got married after four months. Like it was four months because I already felt I knew him, right? Because we met each other at work. Right. When when I was 18. So I was like, well, I kind of already know his character and his sister was also working at the same place. So I kind of knew her. I was like, I feel like I know his family. Um, We grew up in the same town or in neighboring towns. He knows a lot of the same people that I know. I'm like, this is a safe bet. When really it was a setup. Mm -hmm. None of that that he told me was real. It was all just to butter me up to get me to be a pawn in his crazy show, his freak show. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to bring awareness to women who are, if you're in a dating situation and a guy just cannot get enough of you and well, he's kissing your butt. I just want to bring awareness. If a guy is, is kissing your butt, he's overly affectionate. And then something else that he did, his aunt passed away maybe a week after we met and he invited me to the funeral And it's like, now looking back, that was way too soon for me to come to an intimate family gathering um, so soon. And then when we were there, he introduced me as his fiance. And he had never talked to me about it. Like, oh, I see you as somebody I would marry. And it was to another woman. 
So now looking back, it was probably a woman that he tried to get with or got with and maybe she rejected him. And then he wanted to show me off in front of her Mm. because her face kind of dropped. And then my face was like, what? And I was like giddily laughing and really feeling like, oh, my God, he loves me. Mm -hmm. You know, like he just told me I'm his fiance when really he was just using me. Right. right. He was just using me to get back at some other chick who possibly rejected him. Yeah. 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 You you didn't love me and want to marry me. You just wanted to use me. Mm-hmm. So I just want to use that as a sounding board for some of you women. If that's how you got with your man and now things are going wrong, and you just can't seem to figure out what's wrong. That could be it. And I believe maybe every once in a blue moon that Hollywood uh, romance happens where you see each other, you lock eyes and you're just in love at first sight. But I don't really think that happens in real life with in real relationships. It's built. You might feel that way at first, but then over time you get to know each other. You might have a little bit of healthy conflict that you work out and really realize, you know what? Like you're a good, stable person. Mm, yes. You know, so look out for those signs of love bombing, being overly familiar, oversharing, spending too much time together. During the dating relationship. During the dating mm-hmm. relationship. Um, because that sets the tone for them to get in there and be able to to use you or abuse you. Yeah. And I'm all for giving someone a title, but not after two weeks. Yeah. Like, no, not after two weeks. Mm-hmm. So some of the follow-up questions that we had come up with together is really finding out what are some of those attributes of your personality that caused you to become abused? Number one, not knowing who I was. Um, not knowing who I was and why I was created is is number one. But as far as my personality goes, um, me just being such a lover and I have such a big heart and I care And I want to see people be amazing. So I took it upon myself to want to help, to build. And I gave so much of myself away so that I could help him create the life that he wanted. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about last week, a lack of boundaries, not realizing when I began or where I ended and he began and vice versa. Yeah. So it became intermesh. And I know we have this this principle, this biblical principle where the two shall become one. Mm-hmm. That's different than I disappear mm-hmm. and I just. Right. I'm gone. It, I'm gone. I just enmesh into you. Right. Like I like to say, or I've heard in the past, probably a little bit both. It's not about creating unity. It's about creating uniformity. Mm-hmm. And there is there is a difference between yeah. the two that you're not supposed to be a carbon copy. Right. Becoming one does not mean that you are um, becoming an exact of right. the other. It is your, just like you were saying before with men and women, they fill in those gaps. Right. They come together to create something bigger and more right. beautiful with their gifts, their differences. 
um, their purpose exactly yeah. and they kind of complete or create something, um, better. something better something new right not everybody's the same and we're just yeah. in line we're just the same our right. views are the same our behaviors are the same our reactions are the same right no. and no. that really makes me think of a really simple example colors yes. blue and red mixed mm-hmm. together make purple right so imagine i'm red and he was blue i'm not supposed to become blue and i feel like that's what i was required to do if yeah. i don't agree with everything that you say if i don't do exactly what you want then i'm not allowed to be red mm-hmm. but really the right way to be is you bring your gifts talents and purpose i bring my gift talents and purpose and red and blue mixed together make purple exactly and so it makes something beautiful they're beautiful by themselves but they're even more beautiful together right and that's how it's supposed to be and there's so much more variety in that too yeah i love that i love that analogy so during the relationship how did you cope with your unmet needs your need for love emotional support partnership trust affection and maybe even sex yeah first of all i want to say that none of my needs were met Mm. none of them yeah not even my need to like have a place to live there was a long time where I'll say it is the man's primary responsibility to financially provide Mm -hmm. and that wasn't happening Well, unless a couple comes to their own agreement yeah you have to come Mm -hmm. to an agreement but you know, we had an agreement that he would finish school because he had less time than me. And mm-hmm. then he would start working and financially support me while I finished school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that would only be for the first few years and then we'd be set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somehow that was a that happened for him, but it didn't happen for me. There was always a problem. And I mentioned that last time. But my other needs, my needs for companionship, support, physical affection, um, connection Mm. sex none of those needs were met so I would be frustrated and Mm -hmm. disappointed and sad all the time yeah but I would try to make up for that by keeping my hope alive that okay I'm just going to figure out how I can meet his needs and then when I do it he'll love it and we'll be back on track Mm mm-hmm And after a while, I just kind of forgot about myself. Yeah. And I stopped trying to get my needs met Mm -hmm. and only focused on meeting his needs. Mm -hmm. So that's the part that I talked about earlier that you become a shell. You just are completely lost. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do anything that I like to do. My music, the way that I dressed my aspirations, my mindset, what was important to me was all gone. I only focused on what was important to him. Mm-hmm. I never stepped out and like slept with anyone else. Um, even though I wanted to, but I just didn't feel that that would be the right solution. Right. So I just pushed my feelings down and there were sometimes where they would bubble up. And I know that I would take that out on people I know that I absolutely took it out on my kids Mm -hmm. um, and had short temper with them, a lot of anger, um, eating, Mm -hmm. um, emotional eating, like finding pleasure. Well, I can control this part of my life. Yes. I can choose what I want to eat today. I can find pleasure in that. Mm -hmm. So 
that was really it. I, mm. I, I pushed my feelings down way, way, way deep down mm-hmm. and just tried not to think about it. I would try to change the subject in my mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it came, when my needs came up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would go through this cycle of, okay, maybe today something would happen and then I would try to connect and then when it didn't happen I would feel disappointed and be like no I'm never going to try again but then I would get hopeful and like okay maybe let me try again and then I would try and then it would my hopes would be dashed and then I would be like fuck this I'm never going to try this again and I'd be like right and it was just a circle of bullshit and some would call that the cycle of abuse Mm -hmm. where you get abused you kind of give up but then you're hopeful again and then the abuse occurs again yeah so when you mentioned just a moment ago, like when you would get frustrated from not getting your needs met, you would take it out on other and other ways and sometimes other people like your children. So how did the abuse affect your children, your extended family, those people who really, really loved you the most from their deepest, truest space and wanted the best for you? Yeah. Well, part of the abuse was separating me emotionally and then eventually physically from my mm-hmm. friends and family. Yeah. But that came in the form of smear campaign and sabotage. Mm -hmm. So smear campaign, uh, I didn't bring it up last time. I didn't explain it, but I did bring it up in those 17 tactics Mm -hmm. abusers use to control you. But a smear campaign is when the abuser basically talks badly about you to other people. Mm -hmm. And then in turn, they'll talk badly about other people to you. Mm. So it's like, why would I ever want to associate myself with this person, that person? But then he also made himself look so good because, well, I know I'm going to still deal with these people. Mm -hmm. But the underlying message was that I shouldn't. Yeah. So he made himself so great because he's dealing with these unsavory people mm-hmm. and he's just so self-accepting but then I shouldn't really deal with other people mm-hmm. and so eventually I cut myself off from just about every relationship that I had mm-hmm. um, and I know for my parents especially my mother she knew that something was wrong I don't think she realized I was being abused but she just knew I wasn't myself mm-hmm. we didn't talk as much as we used to And there was a huge problem when my son was born. My ex-husband chose a name that was Muslim and we're Christian. And my family had a huge problem with it. I don't really think he loved the name so much. I think he did it on purpose, chose that name because he knew my family would have a problem with it. Or when he found out my family had a problem with it, he dug his heels in the sand and didn't want to change his mind. Yeah. So I ended up not talking to my family for many months after my son was born Mm -hmm. because of this name issue. I feel that it was done on purpose to create division Mm. between me and my family. And it was a point where I had to choose between them and him. Well, of course I'm going to choose him because he's my husband and I should just choose my husband. Mm -hmm. But I felt that he should have never put me in that position. Like we could have chosen a different name. Mm -hmm. How this affected my children I believe that they were receiving the wrong message. Yeah. The the wrong message of how men and women should relate. My son, probably not so much because he was a newborn. Right. He was very small. Um, but my daughter, I believe that 
and maybe even now my son, I believe that he created and is creating a dependency on him where daddy is God. Whatever daddy says is right, true, and can't be refuted. And so creating that foundation where everything that he says is right, Mm -hmm. when you come in to now abuse that stage will already be set that, oh, this is what my dad's doing. So it must be right. Yeah. And creating a a culture where you should please your dad. Mm -hmm. You should please me. Mm -hmm. So whatever I ask you for, it's again, grooming. Mm -hmm. Whatever I ask you to do later on, it's going to come up. It hasn't, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's come up yet. It's going to happen. So I'm just preparing myself for that day when my kids come home and they're like, mom, you know, I feel bad. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And I'll be able to, to help them heal. Yeah. Through that. And there's already been a couple incidences that happen, um, where my daughter kind of got a taste of her dad's medicine Mm -hmm. and I had to help her. Mm -hmm. And so my children are being abused too. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to look at it in a way where, I know it's going to sound bad, but I just have to say it. I just feel like any adversity we deal with in life is there to to build our character. It doesn't sound bad at all. I think that's the absolute truth. That's yeah. why we have so many trials and tribulations. And if we want, if we want our children to grow strong and be resilient, they're not just going to do that because we teach them all the right things. They yeah. have to experience life for themselves. Yeah. So it, it is hard to observe them and watch yeah. them go through that. But at least we're here to kind of cushion the blow and explain some of those things right. um, so they can understand what's going on. And then hopefully they can take away tools and coping mechanisms. So when they experience it in the, fru- the future and we're not with them, yeah, they're able to deal in that strong and resilient way we want them to. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you completely. I feel like giving my children the tools mm-hmm. to be able to cope because, and we'll go we need to kind of touch on a little bit broader of a definition of emotional abuse, mm-hmm. but it can happen in any relationship, whether that be a parent and a child, uh, a partnership, mm-hmm. um, a business partnership, mm-hmm. a romantic relationship, and even a boss and a uh, employee. employee. Mm-hmm. And so knowing how to recognize toxic people and how to deal with them, because you can't always leave them if you have a toxic parent you are going to have to interact with them exactly you have a toxic like now i have a toxic ex-spouse that i still have to co-parent with Mm -hmm. i guess you know Mm -hmm. um i have to learn how to deal with it yeah and how to be able to rise to the top even though i have this person in my life exactly yeah and so not being able to navigate that, that's a set of skills that I think we would need regardless. Even if we yeah. haven't been in an abusive relationship or um, an emotionally abusive situation, you need to know how to create those boundaries to keep yourself healthy because you could meet somebody who is toxic or somebody who is could emotionally abuse you in the grocery store line right. or interact with a cashier or so how, I mean, yes, it's not long-term and ongoing, but if you can define those boundaries right now right when you're in the most healthy situation when you're in the most healthy mindset when you're not in uh being encountered by that um then you can either be able to take care of yourself when those situations arise whether they're short-term or long-term 
or recognize it more immediately and know what it is when you see it. Right. right. So I think that's really important to, uh, thank you for bringing that up, really important to know that it's not just in a romantic relationship, even mm-hmm. though there is a lot more chance of that happening or there's more breeding ground for mm-hmm. that because of the closeness and um, the frustration of just living in this world that's completely imperfect. Yeah. But you can encounter emotional abuse in so many different realms but if you cannot know, just like you said in the beginning, how to take care of yourself and know who you truly are yeah. and where your worth really comes from, it's it's hard to navigate life, really. Right. right. Yeah. Ugh. That's so, so difficult. So the thing that really came to mind during our converse, during your sharing of the grooming is how can one identify if they're the one being the abuser, if they're doling out the abuse? And for me, in my own experience, the thing that I kind of connected with, and you know, this might be a dreamy Hollywood girl kind of thing, is before I really got to know my husband, I just seen around school, we had a few classes together, but I told my mom, do you see this guy? I'm going to marry this guy. Mm. I'm going to marry him. And this was, I mean, I knew him for... Oh, uh, I don't know. It's springtime. So maybe let's say you need him for six or seven months. So that's, but I don't know. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that you said that resonates with me as the experiencing of the abuse that I've actually perpetrated. I think what defines an abuser is intent. Yeah. Um, And the very purpose of abuse is to have control and power over someone. Yeah you should never want to have control and power over someone. Mm-hmm. That's not the point of the relationship. Right. The point of the relationship is partnership and companionship. Yeah. Especially in a romantic relationship, but even in parenting, in you, parenting, you yeah. cannot have control not or power over your domination, children. Right. But yes. coordination. Yeah. Right. It's so, a learning, teaching, understanding relationship. Right. It's two people who agree that, Together, we can be more. Yes. So I'm going to work with you and you're going to work with me, but it's consensual. Yes. And all the cards are on the table. You know what you're dealing with. You know who this person is. You know who you are. And you make a conscious choice, mm-hmm. not a coerced choice yes. to be with someone, mm-hmm. not a choice out of, I'm so afraid that if I don't agree, there's going to be a blow up. Whatever mm-hmm. that blow up is, whether you're punished by all the 17 tactics, all the tactics, mm-hmm. whether you're afraid that they're going to leave you, they're going to take your children from you. That should not be your motivation. Your mm-hmm. motivation should be, I care about this person's well-being mm-hmm. and I care about mine. So I'm going to make decisions and choices that uphold the other person's reality or their truth yeah and they're making the same type of choices that are in your best interest so a better way to say that is you're making choices that are in you and their best interest Mm -hmm. both of you guys are doing that it's completely unselfish like when i texted my ex-husband i hope that you are finding peace and i hope that you are happy and i believe one day there'll be peace between us i love you that was, there was nothing behind that. Right. That just, was just exactly what your words said. That was just me letting you know there's no hard feelings here per se, or there's enough peace in my heart for me to be able to work with you. 
Yeah. I'm not asking you to change. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you to do anything with our kids. I'm just believing and sharing with you the belief that I have one day that we'll be able to coexist together. Yeah. That's it. I'm giving you information. Do with it what you want. Right. With nothing in return. Yeah. That's what relationships are supposed to be like. Yes. So going back to answer your question, I believe that how you identify whether or not you're an abuser is if you are, um, if you get off on controlling other people, if you feel like you always have to be in control and if the other person listens, doesn't listen to you, you have to try to manipulate them to get them to go your way Mm -hmm. and I know we all kind of do that we all kind of want to influence the other person like okay I know I want tacos tonight but they don't really want tacos so let me try to you know yeah that's different you know and and I'm giving a silly example right right you know but that's totally different than telling lies to get somebody to see you in a certain light so that they'll trust you so that they'll they'll be vulnerable with mm-hmm. you so that they'll do more with you than they would if they really knew who you were. Yes. And what is really hurtful and really sad about this is this comes the abuser comes from a place where they feel so unworthy. Mm. They feel so hurt that they don't think that they can really show up as themselves and receive love. Yeah. And that's that's where they lie to themselves. Yeah. I believe that if my husband would have really shown up of who he was and been vulnerable with me, I would have still loved him. Yes. Yes. That's what's really sad. You played yourself. Right. And continue to do so. You continue to play yourself. Mm. You feel that's torturous. It must be to wake up every day and hate yourself so much that you feel like you've got a boop, 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 boop. You know, to everybody that you meet in order to get them to want to spend time with you, to like you and even love you. Yeah. You're lying to yourself, baby. Mm-hmm. And you're worth so much more than that. Mm-hmm. If nobody wants to come and see your little puppet show, you got to know you got the best puppet show in town. Yeah. And it don't matter if anybody comes to see it because I'm entertaining myself. And sometimes I'll be driving or I'll be thinking about something or I'll be in my house and I'll just like bust out laughing. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm kind of crazy for laughing at myself. And then I'll check myself like I am funny. <laughs> yeah, and you still laugh again. You know what right? I mean? Yeah. And you go back and you're like, why am I tripping? That's going. Why am mm-hmm. I tripping? Like, I'm going to sit here and laugh at myself. I make my own self happy. I make my own self laugh. I make my own self feel good and amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's where it starts. Yes. And I don't need anyone to come see my puppet show to feel good about myself. That's right. And that's something that I've had to learn is something that I still kind of revert back to old mindset. Like I need somebody to tell me that I'm great to feel great. No, I don't. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to our very first episode, shifting that mindset. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy at all. But through the process of hard work and letting go of some of those former beliefs, you can achieve it. Yeah. But it's just not that easy pill to swallow. And bada bing, bada boom, the switch is turned. Yeah. yeah. But it's necessary. Yeah. Very necessary. So I guess the takeaway is to avoid becoming in an abusive relationship go slow take your time and know yourself 
and then watch people's actions. Mm-hmm. Because what someone says is always going to be smooth as silk. Yes. But the way they treat you has to be consistent and tested over time. Mm-hmm. And someone's actions will never lie. Yeah. They, people will lie to you through their mouth day in and day out. But the way they treat you and what's important to them will tell you who they are. Yes. And that's all you need to know. Awesome. Be strong enough to stand in your own power to say, I would rather be by myself than to be lied to every day. Yeah. And you'll be golden. Yeah. Thank you. In our next episode, we're going to really be addressing healing from an emotionally abusive situation. Can you tell us some of the first steps that you took? towards healing after you left, after you recognized how unhealthy the relationship was and you started to move into the light? Some of the first steps that I took was just doing any and everything that I could think of that made me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that was playing my iPod again, all Mm -hmm. of my playlists that I had and All of my old music from the 90s and early 2000s that I used to listen to Mm -hmm. that I love so much. Reconnecting with old friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So starting to bridge those gaps that he helped to cut off. Yeah. Yeah. And even apologizing to my parents, my brother, that I'm sorry that I let this person come between us. Yeah. And explaining to them what had happened Mm -hmm. because they didn't understand. And part of my hope for this is to affect three people because I have this 90% where I feel great about telling my story and this nagging 10% where I feel gut-wrenchingly like sick to my stomach where I just want to wake up in the middle of the night and throw up like, what am I doing? And we kind of talked about this, right? That 10% we kind of like... I do take it from Brene Brown, but she describes something as this vulnerability hangover. Yeah. Where you feel so, just like exactly what you explain, like yeah. uh, almost like buyer's remorse. Yes. Did I do the right thing? Right. Oh my gosh, I can't take it back. It's already out there. Right. And that is something true. That is something that can really, really um, affect people when you really take the leap to be courageous and yeah. share. So vulnerability hangover, we can link Brene Brown in the show notes in the book that it comes from. But yeah, and I so commend you for coming and meeting that bravery and meeting that courageous or using that courage to share. I mean, ever since we released the episode and we're recording just a couple of days after it was released, we've heard such positive feedback from from our cuties who are out there who finding a space where they resonate with your story, Janisha. But it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. So sorry, I totally kind of like no, sidetracked okay. a like, moment, but. And, and I think that's important because those three people, those three groups of people that I want to affect are women who are being abused, mm-hmm. the families of the people that are being abused, and also help the women who don't know that they're being abused wake yes. up. Yes. It's Be- so important. Yeah. Because... Again, I didn't know this was happening. I truly thought something was intrinsically wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And as if I would just wake up and get better, but I need to wake up and get out. Yeah. Yeah. And so back to your question of what did I do to heal? Well, first of all, I removed myself from the abuse. Yes. 
And I mentioned this last week, you can't get better in a place where you got sick. Mm-hmm. You cannot heal from abuse if you're continuing to be in an abusive situation. Yeah. So getting out, reconnecting with old friends, making amends with people who I know that were hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started to do research mm-hmm. to, to, learn, fi- right? to learn about the personality traits of myself, mm-hmm. what personality traits and and hangups that I have mm-hmm. that allowed me to accept this type of behavior mm-hmm. and then research what I was dealing with. I need to know what am I dealing with here? Yeah. Like what's really going on? And um, I feel like that could be a whole episode where we talk about narcissistic personality disorder, sociopaths, psychopaths, because I believe that some of those personality traits play a part in my ex-husband's life Mm. i believe that he has some of those personality traits so i needed to know what i was dealing with yes yes um and from there i just started to blossom and and discover this wasn't my fault yeah it wasn't me right it was never me yeah and i know in in relationships we always want to take some of the blame well i did some of this and i know that caused it no yeah. I, I'm not taking the blame for this. Well, it's different than being in a healthy relationship. Right. It's very different from being in a healthy relationship. And so, sure, some of the blame, perhaps you didn't have boundaries. Perhaps you didn't know who you were. Right. But you were taking it. It sounds like you were taking advantage right. of. Right. It was predator and prey. Right. And that's yes. totally different than two people who are in love who just fall out of love and they hurt each other because yes. they're not brave enough to say, you know what? We shouldn't be together. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely that's totally different. different than someone who preys upon your weaknesses and uses your mindset and what's important to you against you. Mm-hmm. That's different. Right. So when I realized that I was like, I felt so validated and vindicated. Yeah. And I didn't need to have this big confrontational blow up with my ex-husband to call him on the carpet because the behavior yeah. that he displayed validated Mm -hmm. what I needed it to validate. Yes. You know, moving forward with healing is an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to share next episode. I believe this woman wrote an article in uh, six stages of healing. And we need to talk about that. We're definitely going to get into that more next week. So we hope you tune in cuties. Just before we close, we want to share a poem with you. This poem is by Cleo Wade, and it's read by Maggie Erickson. We hope you enjoy. This is Love Never Lies from the book Heart Talk by Cleo Wade. Love never lies. Shame never tells the truth. It tells you you are not good enough. The truth is you are. It tells you you have to be perfect. The truth is you don't. It tells you your mistakes are fatal wounds. The truth is, you heal. It tells you everything has fallen apart. The truth is, you will rebuild. It tells you that you will stay sunken in despair. The truth is, you will rise. It tells you you failed, you lost, and you got hurt. The truth is, you learned what to do next time. You gained 
knowledge from your knockdown and you found out just how strong you are. It says you will never make it. The truth is, keep going. For shame said you would never survive. And the truth is, you are still here. Cuties, we want to continue the conversation with you. You can find us at any of the places you like to listen to podcasts. We'd love for you to leave a comment and a review for us on Apple Podcasts if you so desire. But if you would like to continue this conversation, please check in with us on Instagram at the Queen Team Podcast. If you want to drop us a line, you can write to us at the Queen Team Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at the Queen Team Podcast. And Janisha, where can our cuties find you? You can find me on Instagram at love to be you and the love is spelled L-U-V. You can also check me out on YouTube, the same handle, love to be you. And also I decided to create a support group for women dealing with emotional abuse who are coming out of difficult relationships or divorce to find support in healing. So send me an email at love to be you at gmail.com so that you can be added to this secret group. So next week, we encourage you to tune in with us as we discuss healing from an emotionally abusive relationship. We can't wait for you to join us. Bye cuties. Bye cuties.